Sutra 8 When there is a non-thirst for even the gunas, due to the realization of the purusha, or true self, that is supreme non-attachment. Upon the first day aboard the train, the idea of truth came clear. How did I belong here, if I wasn't intellectually outstanding like many of my peers? The only success I'd ever found was due to instinct and a close imitation of nature. Often I lacked initiative and was a bit slow, but this train wouldn't run without the power of the entire group's labor. At best, I was romantic and imaginative, with overblown ambition. I had a tendency to procrastinate, which was perilous for a son of the earth's soil, and I was often swayed by feelings of superstition. Was this train really a safe haven? Would the Shambhala teaching spread? The journey had taken so much out of me that I laid in the caboose over a heap of coals as if I was dead. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful and committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has, whispered Mr. Kismet. This train wasn't a magical train like I thought it would be, but rather it was an old mechanical train, which was quite strange, because it arrived in a manner that my mind couldn't explain, and so wonder was this train's name. There was a mystery of time aboard this train, and as we looked out, we saw the sun going around the earth, and so we were headed back to that ball of rock, to take on life with a sort of newfound birth. Why time is so mystical, you cannot see it, touch it, taste it, smell it, but yet time is in the process of extinguishing even the sun, evaporating every ocean, pulverizing every planet, and what to speak of our little bodies. Bribes cannot corrupt time, beauty cannot seduce it, and the greatest militaries cannot stop its progress for even a moment. And how short is life after all? No one knows where it all came from. Yes, we are here, circling the stars, passing by planets all centered around the sun. The earth had some soil, some plants, some creatures, all on 8,000 miles of rock, and there beyond it was billions of millions of miles of darkness. Was existence real or not? We were opening to this mystery of being born and getting a new body. Yet on this train as spiritual beings, we were not quite embodied. Now the conductor of this train was aware we'd come on board, and so he assigned some of us different jobs. If we couldn't pay for our ride, then we had to work to support the common cause. The yogini was assigned to be a yoga teacher, while girl was assigned to heal with sound. I don't think they knew what to do with me, so I taught some yoga, offered cacao ceremonies or meditations to cultivate a sense of community among the soulful crowd. I agreed to this duty, and this was the job I was assured. But after a week or so on the train, the conductor changed my title and said I would be in charge of anyone who came on board. From here on out, the conductor explained the new rules of the train, 
He called me his membership director, which in all truth seemed absurd and insane. Whenever I found a new soul looking to hop on, well, I'd offer them my hand. I'd give them a wink, if only to hint that we were joining a large divine plan. I'm not sure if they knew where this train was heading, but I tried to get as many people on board as I could. The more people on this path with us, then the more people we had to do a world of good. But how did this train arrive? Because this was the type of train that comes after you die. With my new work duties, I found myself in the very back, all the way in the caboose, often gazing up at the galaxies in the sky. But why? And so forgiveness spoke. It should be said that in the philosophy of yoga, all matter in the universe arises from the fundamental substrate called Prakriti. From this ethereal Prakriti, the primary gunas, or the qualities of energy, emerge creating the essential aspects of all nature, which are energy, matter, and consciousness. These three gunas are tamas, which is darkness and chaos, rajas, which means activity and passion, or sattva, or balance and harmony. The awareness and conscious manipulation of the three gunas are a peaceful way to reduce stress, increase inner peace, and lead one towards enlightenment. Guna is a Sanskrit word that translates as quality, attribute, or tendency. In yoga and Ayurveda, a guna is an element of reality that can affect our psychological, emotional, and energetic states. The three gunas are described as being constantly in flux and interacting with each other in a playful state called maya or illusion. Awareness of each guna allows us to move along a path, said forgiveness. And that's what this train appeared to be, split into three sections. But I was quite curious, were all of us wild ones stuck on this train, or were we all actually free? Now about these three qualities, tamas is the state of darkness, inertia, inactivity, and materiality. That's where I found myself to be. Tamas manifests from ignorance and deludes all beings from their spiritual truths. Other tamasic qualities are laziness, disgust, attachment, depression, helplessness, doubt, guilt, shame, boredom, addiction, hurt, sadness, apathy, confusion, grief, and dependency. The second is rajas, which is a state of energy, action, change, and movement. The nature of rajas is attraction, longing, and attachment. Rajas binds us to the fruits of our work. Other logistic qualities are anger, euphoria, anxiety, fear, irritation, worry, restlessness, stress, courage, rumination, determination, and chaos. Sattva is a state of harmony, balance, joy, and intelligence. Sattva is the guna that the yogis reach towards as it reduces raja and tamas and thus makes liberation possible. Other sattvic qualities are delight, happiness, peace, wellness, freedom, love, compassion, equanimity, empathy, friendliness, focus, 
self-control, satisfaction, trust, fulfillment, calmness, bliss, cheerfulness, gratitude, fearlessness, and selflessness, said forgiveness. And since I had found myself in the back of this train, I was trapped in sloth and dullness because I was ignorant, ignoring the fact that death was real and my old body did not heal. I liked that old body very much, and I couldn't tell you why, but I longed to remember that past life, and I was so curious why that old form of me had come to die. And what now? What was I left to feel? Inertia, darkness, and heaviness pulled me down from my heels. I just wanted to rest. I was always tired and exhausted here. Death had taken our bodies, and all I wanted was a release from this confusion and fear. When I first got on the train, I realized that many wandering souls from all walks of death had climbed aboard. We seemed to be set in three sections, but no one knew exactly where this train was moving towards. Peeking up, many souls moved up to first class to get out of the rain. This was sattva, that balance, joy, and intelligence where many strived to be on this train. Then some were a bit more attached to the outcome and destination, and so they shoveled heaps of coal into the fire, hoping we'd arrive quicker to the final train station. But I? Why, my soul was so tired, and I couldn't quite move. I had just died for goodness sakes, and I preferred to lay in the coal as I melted in the caboose. I wanted the peace and harmony, but my soul couldn't get loose. Then I heard that whisper of truth. This was the spirit of forgiveness and Mr. Kismet while they whispered about the essence of eternal youth. Supreme non-attachment is due to the realization of the Purusha, which is the true self when there is no thirst for the three gunas, said forgiveness. What about it? Can't you just let me sleep? I'm so tired that all this life, death, and suffering seems to be happening on repeat. If life or death has pulled you down, then just let it go. No mud, no lotus. How else are we supposed to grow? Said Mr. Kismet. That's when I realized there was no quick fix. But the piles of coal I laid upon embodied a certain type of surrender. Neither I or the coals were in control of this lethargy, but rather, I began to think of my true self the same way that coals could become a burning ember. Would I stay or would I go? Would I flicker or would I fade? It was only a matter of time until something was destined to change. And in that thought, I found a sudden gap. A moment of wonder, and that sparked a light which appeared like a treasure map. In that moment I got a glimpse. I was not different from any of this train's coal. This realization was something I got to experience in the moment, because only in the moment could this understanding be known. That spark of light brought a flash, then it was warmth while I observed. The true self lives within, and so someone had scooped me up tossed me into the engine's fire, and this is what it's like when I discovered that we're all called to serve. I began to embody the steam of this train, and 
and so I fueled the fire, which would drive an energetic reaction. This realization had spurred my soul out of the darkness, and now I embodied intense passion. The train roared, the steam carried us on, but with this fiery energy, I burnt through the coal so fast, and before I knew it, my little effort was over and done. They'd toss more coals on, but my single contribution was over. Now we were in the middle of the train, shoveling more coals into the burning fire. All to make sure the fuel combustion powered the motor. The harder we worked, the more fierce the fire became, and so our fiery passion ate through the coals even quicker. Then we'd work even more passionately to throw more coals in. This was Rajas, over and over, time and time again. We were working so hard to power this train, but when would this hard work end? We worked that entire day, then all through the night. We worked through the entire summer for months straight, all so that the fire wouldn't lose its light. A few people dropped, but the train wouldn't stop. We worked in such a fiery heat, we were scorched with sunspots. But why did our fire fade so fast? And after I couldn't work anymore, I noticed the fire had died down to a single ember. All my effort barely glowed in the darkness, and whatever truth I'd found about burning bright was gone to the point I could not quite remember. In this phase of darkness, Mr. Kismet and Forgiveness went on to explain the higher forms of non-attachment. That the detachment of the mind from its personal desires and enjoyment is the ordinary non-attachment. The mind might want something, but having control, you tell the mind, no, and it stays away. But in the higher non-attachment, you don't even think of attaching yourself. In other words, with the ordinary non-attachment, you may be completely free from new things coming in to tempt you. But what will you do with the impressions that are already in your mind? The memory of having experienced something will still be there. For example, after many years of thievery, a robber decides not to steal anymore. But still, the memory of having stolen so many things and enjoyed them remains in the robber's mind. In the yogic terms, these memories are called impressions or samskaras. Now and then, the samskara will come up, said forgiveness. But you can't just go into the mind and erase impressions by hoping, praying, wishing, or thinking. But they get themselves erased at one point in stillness. When, you may wonder, when you succeed in going within and realizing the peace and joy of your own true self. The moment you understand yourself as the true self, you find such peace and bliss that the impressions of the petty enjoyments you experienced before become as ordinary specks of light in front of the brilliant sun. You lose all interest in them permanently. That is the highest form of non-attachment, said Mr. Kismet. All that came from the breath of spirit, and so I knew I would always trust that spiritual wind. That's when I began to plan my departure from this hard work, even though I had no clue where I would begin. I went to see the conductor on this train, and I walked past everyone in first class. They lounged by the pool, under the sun, or relaxed by the fake grass. Everyone in first class had quite a bit of money, and it was obvious I had yet to earn my keep. 
but I'd been working so hard for so long that I couldn't continue on. And if I was being totally honest, I guessed I'd need a year or two of sleep. When I approached the conductor, I noticed he appeared like a certain reflection of me. His last name was the same as mine, but then why was I stuck working, and why weren't him or I free? He too was exhausted, and both of us believed in this great and noble cause. The train must go on, because otherwise, everyone aboard would lose their jobs. Conductor, I nodded. After much thought and deliberation, I cannot continue to work full time, and I must admit, I feel totally unaligned. Then what will you do? Don't you believe in our train's mission? You must continue to fuel the fire of our transportation. Otherwise, who else will watch over our train's mission?" said the conductor. Well, you see, I've got nothing left, and I gave it all I could. I think you're misunderstood. You've barely even started, and you can't take time off during summer. It's our busy season, and if you think this work is hard, imagine working out in the rest of the universe. It'll get even harder. This is the full-time job for you. You're right where you need to be. And if you keep working, just picture the day when all of us on this train are finally freed," said the conductor. And with that, I went back to work full-time, and I knew what I had to do. Of course I wanted to free everyone including myself, but I had to change something or I'd burn out, even though the conductor might not have known what I knew. I went back to where the coals to consult with the black cats, and so I embraced the lethargy and darkness as I had no reason to fear it. I reflected upon their spiritual words, because if I could realize where the true self was, I'd find such peace and bliss. Then I'd realize that the impressions of the petty enjoyments we experienced before are but ordinary specks of light in front of the brilliant sun. I'd lose all interest in them permanently, and that is the highest form of non-attachment when the samskaras or impressions would finally be done. And so forgiveness continued. But before that, you are in between. You have not tasted that greatest joy, but you have experienced some mental peace. However, this peace is just the reflection of the true peace on your tranquil mind. We should understand this point well. To use the analogy of a mirror, imagine a brilliant light reflecting on a mirror. If the mirror has a crooked or colored surface, the reflection gets distorted. The distorted or colored reflection is like the distorted happiness you enjoy from outside things. By detaching yourself from these things, you make the mental mirror steady and straight and see a steady image of your higher self. But still, the image is not the true original high self or bliss absolute. Once the mind becomes pure and steady, you experience a steady happiness. That is the result of first detachment or the lower non-attachment. Although it is only the reflection, it is almost the same as the original. Once the steady reflection is achieved, the true experience will happen automatically. You need not do anything more to get it. The mind automatically ceases to exist, and all that remains is the original peace and joy which we call our soul or higher self. If that supreme non-attachment 
comes even once, even for a second, you experience that joy. That's why we try to sit for a while in meditation every day. If we get a glimpse of that, we will not try to go out here or there to taste other things. If you find a delicious dish in one restaurant, you will even walk 10 or 20 blocks out of your way to go get that dish you like. In the same way, we will just leave all these things saying, how can these material things compare to that peace and bliss? You will not want to lose any opportunity to sit and enjoy that peace. And if you slowly get rooted in it, you can allow your hands and even your mind to work because you will always be in that peace. There is a saying, keep God in mind, keep the hand at work, or it could be said more clearly as, keep the heart in God and the head in the world. If you know how to put your heart in God, you can rest there always and still play in the world. It will no longer be a hell to you, but a beautiful playground. Nothing can bind you. You can enjoy everything as a play. If you don't know how to play, sometimes you get struck or hit. When it comes to swimming or surfing, how many people are always in the water from morning until night, whereas other people are dreadfully afraid of it? In the same way, we never need to be afraid of the world if we learn how to enjoy it. We can really enjoy the world and even give all the pleasures to our senses. Nothing needs to be starved. But when? Only when we have found the source and connected one part of the mind there, then we can enjoy everything. Otherwise, we will get lost. Think of surfing again. Surfing is a lot like life. Either you do it like it's a big weight on you, or you do it as part of the dance. When you understand, the thought is the thought of the thoughtless. The singing and dancing is no other than the voice of your dharma, which means your truth and duty. So, enjoy the world doesn't mean immediately. Achieve supreme non-attachment first, and then enjoy. That is the secret of success in life. One who does this will always succeed. There can be no failure in his or her life. Everyone should do that. That is our goal and birthright. Nothing less than that, said forgiveness. And so I knew I couldn't escape my job or work, but rather I did want to contribute because I too longed for the light of the spiritual fire's luminous spark. Instead of the endless work, I had a better idea in mind, and I believed that the spirit led me to the purpose that I was meant to find. After much reflection and deliberation, I wrote a note to the conductor, and within these words, I outlined the future of my contribution, and so this is what I wrote with all the courage I could muster. Dear conductor, there's been some confusion with my contribution, and so I do believe that I have a wonderful idea where all of us can find a common solution. I wish for great success here, since I still want to contribute, but at the moment, I'm not sure if this is the best way for me to continue. You see, all of us have hidden potential, and at just the right time, we've got to let it loose. So as long as we keep our spark burning, I think that our spark can ignite others so a brilliant power is produced. The reason my focus needs to shift is because I believe 
that her inward reality and thought patterns attract her outward circumstances. With that being said, I believe we will soon have a once-in-a-lifetime set of opportunities and chances. When I originally came on board, we helped people find balance, created a new normal, and inspired a luminous community. But what I found as a leader was that I was often scattered, overworked, and followed unconscious habits. I believe we can change the world, and I believe we can do it through this community. I know it might not make sense right now, but if you can trust me, then I believe I have a secret path that will help the future align beautifully. If I could tell the world anything, then I'd tell us, don't quit. It may not always make perfect sense right now, but pretty soon, everyone will be aware of it. If you conduct us forward, I'll make sure our spark is maintained. We're going to change the world, and it starts with the spark of our wonder train. After the note was slid under the conductor's door, I fueled the fire with coal for two more weeks. Then the real work started on a new idea of something I needed to keep discreet. Sometimes the passengers would see me wander around first class, hear everything felt at ease. Little did anyone know there was something secret in the works, but at the time, it couldn't be released. In order to fulfill this train's mission, then we'd have to do everything required. Certainly the train would need fuel, and we were going to fuel it with the soul's inner fire. <laughs>